you have to understand what's chemically imbalanced in your body and try to balance that out. And of mm -hmm. course, on top of that, you have to have the behavior changes and the empowerment and all that stuff, right? right. I think the most su successful clinics who do this and most successful practitioners who do this, you know, uh, have a combination of both. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Dr. Mikna Dumitrescu. He has a background in mainstream medicine, working with health of the spine and a lot of different regenerative therapies. In this session, we're going to be discussing how he kind of stumbled on functional medicine and why he decided to integrate that into his practice. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Definitely. So if you can begin by just letting us know how you initially became interested in medicine. Well, uh, well, medicine was in my life from, from the get-go, I guess, because my, my father was an infectious disease specialist and growing up in Romania. Um, my mother uh, was a biologist. Uh, um, she was doing uh, uh, ultrasound diagnosis. So... I basically grew up around hospitals mm -hmm. <laughs> and physicians and, and, and medical, medical people. So I guess it was the obvious choice uh, when, I, uh, when I looked into graduate school after high school in, in Romania. Um, medicine was pretty much what I was maybe groomed to do or maybe mm -hmm. it, was, it was just very, very natural for me to go into medicine. Uh, it wasn't until I actually started, you know, studying it and and you know getting into the the, the things that I'm doing now, that I uh, probably understood and appreciated a lot a, a lot of more facets of it than mm. when I was exposed to it in my childhood. But definitely, it's been it's been a gradual approach to it. But let's say that it was in my life from the get go. Right. And so you kind of have a, uh, I guess, special interest in the spine, it seems. Can you talk a little bit more about how that maybe, all oh, such a wide range of medicine, kind of how you ended up interested in the spine? Well, absolutely. So uh, after finishing medical school, obviously, um, you go in and do a, a residency, which is you choose a specialty. And the specialty I chose is called physical medicine and rehabilitation now, uh, or PMNR. Now, PMNR is a very wide specialty because it encompasses things from, uh, um, you know, tra traumatic brain injury rehabilitation, spinal cord injury rehabilitation, you know, electrical diagnostics, uh, uh, rehabilitation after, uh, you know, things like uh, um, hip replacement surgeries, mm. knee replacement surgeries. Um, and then it also encompasses things related to the spine, right? So it has a, uh, a pain medicine or a pain management um, a branch or subspecialty um, and the people who choose to do this subspecialty, which is pain medicine, are basically focused on disorders of the spine. Now, there are some you know, musk, you know, what we call peripheral musculoskeletal problems, let's say shoulders, knees, elbows, things like that, that we, we tackle. But when you study pain medicine, uh, spine is the number one thing that you study because a lot of the pain or most of the pain generates and gets back to your central nervous system, which is your brain and your spine. So 
spine is what you study when you do pain medicine and mm -hmm. this is uh, what i studied you know, during after my residency in pmnr I, I chose to do a fellowship and my fellowship which is an additional training or subspecialty training and the, the fellowship was in spine medicine or interventional spine medicine so you know the the beauty of it is that you are able to diagnose and treat uh, most of the time non-surgically right conditions of the spine whether it's an injury you know somebody uh, uh, somebody an athlete injuring uh, themselves or maybe a degenerative condition somebody who is maybe a little older and maybe a little creakier and starts having <laughs> back pain and you know knee pain and so on and so forth so my interest in spine began during my residency in PMNR and then I continued it with a fellowship and then when I got out and started practicing on my own that's when I started practicing you know spine and pain medicine and so what is kind of the I guess turn of events that ended up bringing you to become interested in functional medicine or integrating that into your practice. Well, initially, uh, when you first get out of fellowship, uh, you're basically uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and <clears throat> you want to do the best you can do, and you think that you can uh, you can make everybody better by giving them a shot in the spine, or you know, or mm. an epidural, or doing some sort of spinal procedure, and. Uh, well, you know, if you keep um, if you keep asking yourselves yourself if what you do actually works or not. So if you're if you're self-critical in what you do, uh, you're gonna probably find that you know you're not as successful as you think you are, or mm -hmm. as you would have liked to be when you first started. So, you know, a uh, a rigorous analysis or self-analysis and, you know, uh, audit of your own practice usually yields, you know, a percentage of people that are not doing better with right. what you do, right? So I ask myself, well, why are these people not doing better? Why are uh, similar people coming with similar problems? Some of them are doing really well with what I do mm -hmm. in my classical training. Some of them are don't, but some of them are not doing really well right. or not doing well at all. So either their body doesn't want to heal or recover from whatever the intervention was, or maybe they have like a negative response to it. Exactly. So, so, so why is that, right? Well, you know, in classic, classical sort of PMNR slash pain medicine training, you are taught to see your patients as a collection of nerves that can be blocked or collection of joints that can be, uh, uh, you know, treated. Uh, so it's, it's, it's always, let's find the culprit. Let's find the, the discrete anatomical entity mm -hmm. that we can do something to in order for you not to hurt anymore. Right. right? So that's sort of the, the thinking behind it. Well, it took, again, some self-criticism and self-analysis for me to understand that uh, uh, our bodies are not just that, right? right. So your ability to, to heal from, from an injury or your ability to get better after any sort of degenerative condition takes over um, uh, is not just you know, a deficiency of cortisone right? Mm -hmm. Or a deficiency of spine or surgery, right? Your ability to heal uh, um, 
rests on your whole body's health, right? Mm -hmm. So I decided when when I when I understood that I decided to zoom out a little bit, you know. So you're all zoomed in, right? And right. in classical training, you have to zoom in on the discrete, really anatomical entity, right? Well, I learned to zoom out a little bit and start considering people as as whole organisms, right? And you know the uh, the way to do that. You know it was it was a series of of I'm I'm sure serendipitous meetings and events that you know happened in my life in a very short you know span of time that allowed me to uh, or got me introduced to this concept of functional medicine. Now, obviously, this is an overused concept these days because there's everything is functional these days. But when I when I first when I first started, you know, functional medicine was uh, a way into looking, for me, it was a way into looking why people are not healing. Right. So taking some courses and talking to people and, and talking to people smarter than I was at that time, um, I start focusing not just on what I was doing from an interventional standpoint to, to people, but I was, st I started focusing on their health and, you know, I, I developed this, this, this concept or, you know, I, I'm sure I stole it from somewhere. I mean, it's not, I'm not, I'm not claiming originality on this, <laughs> but we, we, we developed these, these in my practice anyway, these ABCs of, of, of medicine, right. Or at least of regenerative medicine. And we can talk about regenerative medicine in a little bit, you know, but uh, the ABCs of what we do are A stands for anthropomorphic analysis, which, which is a fancy way of saying uh, body measurements, right? So somebody comes in, we, we do all these body measurements, which is what classically think, people classically think of x-rays, MRIs, um, you know, physical examination, mm -hmm. history. So this is, this is what I was doing before, right? right? So all this anthropomorphic analysis. The Bs stand for biomarkers, right? So biomarker analysis, because again, uh, in my, uh, in my uh, pursuit of getting people better, I realized that biomarkers are important. So what do I mean by biomarkers? It's basically blood mostly, but sometimes urine and saliva analysis of different biomarkers of health. Mm -hmm. And again, there are several categories, subcategories in that. And C stands for cognition or cognitive, um, cognitive health, because obviously pain is an emotional response and pain is, or chronic pain is in large part determined by somebody's mental health, right? Mm -hmm. And it has a very strong correlation with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. So C again, standard for, for cognitive health. So we started looking at our patients from, you know, using these ABCs of precision medicine or, or, or regenerative medicine. And, uh, this allowed me to have a completely different take, a completely different view on my patients mm -hmm. and help them in different ways, of course. Right. I definitely can, uh, understand this kind of concept of looking at the person as a holistic approach, as opposed to a lot of times in a more mainstream medical approach, it is very, very isolated. As yes. you were saying, like you just keep zooming in and zooming in. And then suddenly it's like, you're looking for the problem and it's getting narrower and narrower. Uh, and the more that you start to kind of ignore the other 
you know, parts of the body or parts of their health, you actually becomes more and more difficult to understand why they are experiencing this particular problem or what your path is for actually helping that person. Ab absolutely. Recover. Yeah. You, you, I mean, the way you train in medicine, uh, in the United States, but basically everywhere in the world these days is, you know, this, this over-specialization, you know, so, you know, more and more about less and less, right? Mm. <laughs> Until you know everything about nothing, right? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, it's it's it it's tr it's true, you know. So there's this, you have to sort of extract yourself from the mindset and realize that you have to be a little bit of a generalist mm. without losing your skills as a specialist, and that that is that is really hard to do, you know. It's it's really hard to do, and you know, one thing that I realized. Pretty pretty fast, you know. After getting into you know or studying functional medicine, it was just to me it was like going back to medical school because, right. you know, even medical school they don't really teach you these kinds of things, right? But uh, one thing you realize pretty fast is that you can't do it all on your own, right? So you need a team approach. Uh, you need people uh, that that think the same way. So uh, I've been pretty fortunate that we've built uh, a team-based approach to my clinic where we've uh, we have uh, uh, people doing regenerative medicine and all the all the stem cells and everything else and that would be me and then we have other people doing the you know functional medicine and the integrative medicine approach and taking care of our patients from a different standpoint and th those would be my nurse practitioners we also have you know, a physical therapy, uh, certain types of physical therapy that are geared algorithmically towards our approaches to things, right? right? So, yeah, it's 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 hard. It's really, really hard if you're steeped into the classical training to shift, you know. And it's hard. It's 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 a mental shift, but it's also um, you also have to navigate if you want to do this under you know the insurance based approach, right? It's, it's even harder, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. you have to find a way of, of being reimbursed for what you do, um, you know, uh, in, a, in a system that's not designed to reimburse what you do, essentially. Right. Which is why most people who, who do functional medicine, integrative medicine, have chosen to, to um, practice outside of insurance. The problem with that is that obviously... <laughs> Practicing outside of insurance uh, basically reduces your audience, so to speak, mm -hmm. not audience, your your potential patient, you know, uh, um, patient load to very, very few. You know, mm -hmm. not very many people are able to spend the kind of money that, you know, it's, you know, the, the you know, cash-based functional medicine or cash-based any medicine for that right. reason, you know, is... is is requiring of them. So again, it's a balancing act, right? You know, you want to treat, you know, the UPS driver, right? You want to treat, you know, everybody, you mm -hmm. want to treat everybody who has these problems, not just the people who happen to be, you know, wealthy, right? right. And be able to afford these kinds of treatments. So it's, it's, it's really, it really is a balancing act. And, you know, I, I don't know that we found the, the, you know, ultimate formula, but we found a formula that that seems to be working, you know, for us in our little right. bailiwick. <laughs> Definitely. So can you maybe uh, point to, um, so there's two ways of looking at it, either the things that were 
uh, preventing people from healing mm -hmm. in the mainstream model, right. or similarly, the things that really uh, created a healthier environment for people, help them to heal better using the kind of functional approach. Well, yeah. So, so there are, there are basic, probably three basic tenets that we look at, uh, and and all three of these, or either one of these, uh, usually prevent healing or prevent health. You know, the first one is is obviously uh, metabolism, right? So metabolic optimization is one thing that we do the most. So yeah, you know, again. What's metabolic optimization? Those are fancy terms of people trying to lose weight, right? Mm -hmm. uh, eat, you know, uh, healthier food, um, you know, have generally a better body composition, right? Mm -hmm. The crux of all this, uh, in my opinion, is, is the hormone insulin and insulin resistance, right? Mm -hmm. So most people uh, who have metabolic derangements, uh, uh, you you have to start with with insulin, you know, and you have to you know realize if they're insulin resistance or or the, their sensitivity to insulin and so on and so forth. So that is a major. It's a major contributor to um, you know weight gain. Uh, there, it's a major contributor to uh, associated chronic. Uh, conditions related to visceral fat, uh, including, you know, knee pain, including mm -hmm. back pain, including the, the things that were coming to me, right? right. I mean, the people who were coming to me were coming to me because they had bad back pain, right? So in the process of talking to them about back pain, I started saying, well, let's look at your weight, right? Yeah. Let, let's look at your, your metabolism, your insulin and all that. So metabolic or metabolism is the first one. This podcast is brought to you by the Yoga Plus app by Psyche Truth. Listening is just the first part of the journey. Take the next step with your free 14-day trial. Join our professional yoga classes from a variety of instructors. Break a sweat with our high-intensity fitness programs. Elevate your mind, spirit, and body through guided meditations. Start your free 14-day trial today. Yoga Plus by Psyche Truth available on the App Store and Google Play. The, the second uh, sort of impediment, you know, to, to being healthy, I think it's, uh, it's hormones, right? Hormonal optimization, especially in, in people, um, you know, in postmenopausal women, you know, or, or even in, in men after the age of, yeah, say, 45, 50, right? Um, as we get older, you know, our, our output of, of sex hormones and other hormones decreases, right? This is a, a natural process, right? Well, you know, optimizing, you know, hormones leads to increased quality of life, you know, unequivocally. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, it's not even a, it's not even a, a point of contention, but in my world, I found out that optimizing hormones makes people heal faster, uh, makes uh, makes people have less pain, uh, gives them uh, give them gives them stronger joints, stronger tendons. So it basically prevents the types of musculoskeletal and spinal conditions that they come to me to begin with. Wow. Right. So metabolism and hormones. Right. And then third is a it's a big field and it's it's you know i don't know how much time we have to talk about this but it's it's inflammation right so inflammation is a 
you know, obviously it's, it's talked about quite a bit, right? But clearly inflammation and the, inflam the chronic inflammatory burden, you know, everybody has is definitely a determinant of, of health or an impediment to good health. And it can create anything from chronic pain, right? To, uh, you know, cardiovascular disease, even Alzheimer's disease and cognitive decline, et cetera, et cetera. So now in this big category of inflammation, now, of course, you, you can talk about a number of things. You know, you can talk about uh, gut health, you can talk about nutrition, you can talk about a lot of things, right? But these are the three things to answer your question. Uh, that, that we started to look at, you know, in relationship to chronic pain and in relationship to um, to the, the patients who are coming to me. And, you know, everybody wants to lose weight, right? Everybody wants to be healthier. Everybody wants to feel better, mm -hmm. right? Everybody wants to get rid of pain. Well, what did we do before? Well, we, we just gave people uh, steroids, right? We gave people cortisone injections and we did ablations and, you know, we did all these. And, and don't get me wrong, those still work, you know, in a lot of people. But we found that combining those things with this analysis, the ABCs that I talked to you about right. and these three categories that I just talked to you about, yields much better outcomes and more importantly prevents people from having the same problem again right, right. because we pay a lot of uh you know uh, we pay a lot a lot of lip service to uh, to prevent it preventative medicine right mm -hmm. prevention but it is absolutely clear to you to an impartial observer of our society and our healthcare that we're not really doing well in 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 the prevention part right? right so again as much as we can do in an insurance-based system we we look at all these things right and truly the you know wellness plus podcast our whole goal of being here is to help give people that information they can use right. to improve their life in these different ways right. so i love that i each of those different areas you touched on obviously um when you were speaking about hormones, one of the big things that I realized is that you mentioned um, cognitive health right. as one of the earlier kind of components of people's ability to heal or their likelihood of recovery, so to speak. Um, so in addressing hormones, obviously insulin, a very big one as well, but really getting into the um, I guess, cognitive health or mental health, just having the energy to Absolutely. do the healthy things we want to do, to make the healthy meals at home, to make those choices. So much of that does come back to that element of our cognitive health and how we're feeling. Um, so it's kind of interesting how it kind of came from multiple sides, this element that we want to be really caring for how you're feeling. Right. And when we start to do that, actually it has this little domino effect of Absolutely. helping you in so many other areas. Absolutely. I, 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 I take your point and I'll, I'll even raise you one. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's amazing research coming out in the role of, of uh, sexual hormones in cognitive decline, right? Or the lack of sexual hormones and correlation with Alzheimer's, right? Estrogen and lack thereof and development of Alzheimer's and postmenopausal women, you know, testosterone, et cetera. So yeah, we, we, uh, <laughs> 
we neglect hormones at our own peril, actually, you know, mm-hmm. so, and it's in it's in it from, from a clinical standpoint, uh, optimizing hormones is, is one of the most rewarding experiences that you can have as a clinician, right? I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a PMNR, you know, pain physician, right? And what am I, what am I doing, you know, talking about hormones, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm doing talking about hormones is the fact that, there seems, well, for the longest time we had this stigma, right? Oh, well, you know, you're, you, you're just, you know, why are you trying to optimize? Why don't you just age gracefully, right? Well, you know, that there's a, there's, I think there's, there's something to that, but, you know, uh, we, we found that, you know, there are, there is a different uh, alternative to aging gracefully, you know, and you can actually have, a different quality of life. We're not really looking necessarily to uh, make everybody live to be 120, right? Although that would be nice. Mm-hmm. But certainly, uh, you know, the quality of life, uh, you know, after, you know, a certain age mm-hmm. uh, and after certain hormonal changes, which are obvious in women mostly, but in men too, is I think it's it's just it's just paramount to you know, hormones are paramount to that. Mm-hmm. And really, um, I think it's most interesting that you um, came to this realization in observing the different patients you're working with. Right. You know, in my perspective, I became very interested in functional medicine kind of early on in my um, interest in medicine and interest in the body. And it was kind of interesting to hear this perspective from someone who actually was really in that mainstream area. And then through looking at the patients, looking at all of these different situations where, as you were saying, one person recovers, another person in a seemingly similar situation has this totally different result. And it really does start to um, kind of explain why the, the, um, philosophy of functional medicine has become so prominent and has been embraced by a really a wide range of different types of physicians right. and of the same realization that you had that when you start to compartmentalize too much, I love what you said, looking more and more at less and less yes. Yes. until we see nothing at all or yeah. something. Until you know everything about nothing. <laughs> until you know everything about nothing. Yeah. I love that. What a perfect way of looking at it. Uh, so if we were to maybe, um, start to look in some of those areas, what are things that people could do right now? So I imagine people listening, perhaps they're in a situation where they are experiencing pain. Perhaps they've been told by their doctor that they need to have some kind of surgery on the spine or the peripheral areas, as you mentioned, what are things that people can start doing to, uh, start going through those different areas? So you talked about the hormones, the metabolism, uh, the inflammation, right. any recommendations you have for folks? Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's kind of a lot. Maybe we have a different podcast for each that's of those. Right, that's right. Well, you know, I, I mean, I think, I think the most, I think what people need to, or should take away from, from, you know, the short podcast, you know, without getting, you know, giving a, a you know, an eight hour lecture into mm-hmm. what they can do is, awareness right Mm -hmm. so if i if we can do anything you know you know and and hope to to impart anything from this conversation to our audience is you know the awareness of the fact there that there are alternatives Mm -hmm. right 
So what do I mean by that? Well, let's take, for instance, you, you mentioned surgeries, you mentioned, so let's go back a little bit to, uh, to uh, you know, my bread and butter, right? Like spine condition, back pain, right? Let's take back pain. So, uh, you know, most of the time a person with back pain will be, or chronic back pain will be completely confused about their condition, right? Uh, why is that? Because they will have seen a number of specialists, a number of doctors, they will have had a number of procedures on their spine, uh, some of them more or less successful, but always temporary, right? Mm. Uh, most people who come to me with back pain do not have an understanding of why they're hurting or what their diagnosis is as, as, and what the, their sources of pain are, right? So what can people do about it? Well, seek uh, an edu seek education from their practitioner, right? So when they go and see a physician, you know, they should ask questions and, 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 you know, seek the practitioners that spend some time educating them, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the regenerative medicine part, which, you know, was the, my first step into thinking different, right? <laughs> to, to paraphrase the 1980s Apple commercial, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, my first step in, in that was regenerative medicine. So I realized that the body has the potential to heal, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, right? And when we don't heal, you know, that's because something in our body is not working properly, right, anymore. So, or because we're too injured or we're too old or for whatever reason, right, we're not, we're not optimized, uh, you know, our health is not optimized. So regenerative medicine, you know, is an alternative to sometimes, not all the time, right, not for everybody, but sometimes regenerative medicine is an alternative to big-time surgeries, right? right? So what is regenerative medicine? Well, regenerative medicine is a branch of medicine that uh, helps your body heal from within, right? So it uses biologic agents, whether they're from your blood or from your bone marrow or from your fat tissue or, you know, you know whatever. It uses biologic agents, so introduces biologic agents in the areas of injury, hoping that these, your own biologic agents, will help your body heal, right? So the awareness that there are other options besides surgery or besides, you know, a bunch of epidural injections or a bunch of cortisone injections mm -hmm. is the number one thing that people can have in terms of regenerative medicine, right? Now, in terms of, of going beyond regenerative medicine, what, they can, what can people do uh, to have, to be healthier, right? In general, mm -hmm. you know, and that obviously translates to a chronic pain condition, right? Is to find a practitioner, find a physician or a practitioner who, you know, talks to them about what we just talked about, you know, mm -hmm. talks to them about, their meta metabolism, talks to them about hormones, talks to them about inflammation. You know, unfortunately, this is hard to do in a primary care model of right. care, insurance primary care model of care. And that's not because the doctors do not care about it or, you know, uh, they, they would like to do it. It's just simply, uh, it's unsustainable from a material standpoint for your primary care physician to sit there for half an hour, 45 minutes and educate you towards all these things, right? So what does what, what's the take-home point for your audience? Well, try to find 
you know, a practitioner who knows about these things and, and is able to have a conversation with you about all these things, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not your primary care doctor, you know, there are now, luckily, you know, for all of us, enough practitioners, even in the Austin area, but, you know, in, in the United States in general, there are enough practitioners who are thinking, let's say, out of the box, mm -hmm. right? So the awareness that surgery is not inevitable, you know, and there is a regenerative part of medicine now that might help, not everybody again, but mm -hmm. might help. And also the awareness that healing is based on the health of your whole body and finding a practitioner that helps you with that will be the first step. Now, of course, there are certain rules, and I'm sure that anybody uh, uh, listening to this or watching this knows them already. I don't think they need me to tell them that they need to, you know, eat healthy and mm. move and exercise and all that. I mean, that, that those are the basics of, of health, you know, that everybody should follow. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, the through COVID now and then generally the lifestyle that we have is not conducive to that. But mm. yes, you know, you should... Uh, you should eat healthy food. You should eat whole foods. Uh, you should eat vegetables. Uh, you shouldn't uh, refrain from eating, you know, uh, carbohydrates uh, or refined carbohydrates, mm -hmm. especially after a conversation with your physician about insulin resistance or your insulin sensitivity. You should find the diet that's appropriate for you. You should go and and, and walk, if nothing else, right? So those are just, you know, basic things. But, you know, being aware that there are alternatives is probably the, the the most important thing. You know, do not just be happy with the status quo, right? If the status quo doesn't work for you, just seek something out because you will find somebody who can who can talk to you about that. Right, and I think also this component that we recognize that. Um, we're not in a situation of helplessness. In so many situations I see, um, so through my uh, health coaching, where a lot of times mm. I'm working with people, trying to help them figure out how they implement those different health recommendations in their lifestyle. Right. And a lot of times people are feeling very disempowered. Right. Like, oh, well, I need to do this, but the doctor kind of didn't really make it sound like it would make a big difference right. or maybe they don't realize how, um, how much control they have over their situation. So there's kind of this element of just empowering people to realize that they have a great deal of control of their situation. Right. And I hear sometimes people say things like, Oh, I just have a, a bad back. Mm -hmm. I just have a bad back. Right. And I'm thinking, man, well, either there are a lot of people in the world that <laughs> yes. just have a bad back. Yes. Or maybe this is kind of a strange, I don't know, um, kind of way to get a glimpse into our own psyche. Right. Which is that we just accept our problem, accept our situation, accept that there's nothing we can do about it. Right. And then kind of, okay, well, what do I do from here? Okay, it's managing the pain. Mm -hmm. It's managing the symptoms to the point that I can still get through my life or get through my day. Um, so this element of empowering people to know that there is a solution for them, right. there's a lot that they can do to change their situation and not feel that there's um, just something wrong with them that can't be fixed. I think health coaching is has done a tremendous, tremendous job, you know, in helping people with that. And I think there was a definite 
need to you know, a gap right between your four minute appointment with your doctor mm. you know and then being at home by yourself and not knowing what you do this helplessness right. state that you're and i and i think health coaching is amazing you know if if you know now health coaching also has to be tailored to the individual and you know it's it's all fine and again getting back to what we talked about in terms of functional medicine metabolism inflammation hormones right you can tell people all you want hey you know do this do that right i mean it's if if it's a if it's a metabolic condition untreated metabolic condition that they have right they're just simply not going to get there right mm-hmm. so so it has to be this team based approach is very approach is very important right i mean you have to talk to your functional medicine or you know whatever your 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 physician your your practitioner you have to understand what's chemically imbalanced in your body and try to balance that out and of mm-hmm. course on top of that you have to have the behavior changes and the empowerment and all that stuff right, right. i think the most su- successful clinics who do this and most successful practitioners who do this you know uh have a combination of both so right. there's the medical knowledge and there's the and there's the you know the, the physical therapy maybe the exercise part and then the health coaching you know and all this stuff Again, it's not always easy to have everything, you know, in one place. Right. I mean, we try to do, we don't have health coaching, you know, at, at this point. I mean, we try to do it ourselves, the, you know, but I definitely understand the value value of, some, of something, of having something like that. Again, uh, an insurance-based model doesn't, as far as I know, maybe it's changed, but as far as I know, insurance-based models do not pay for health coaching. And that's... You know, again, you're you're also walking this tightrope, you know, and asking mm-hmm. people to pay for things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I mean, that's it's it's a it's a problem, right? Not everybody will just immediately spend a whole lot of money on a, on a program. Mm-hmm. There are uh, lots of people out there who have who have all sorts of programs that are more or less expensive. And I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Our job in my practice is to take people who would go to a physician, just anybody who goes to the doctor, right. And teach them, you know, what they need to do in order to be successful, you know, in their goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just simple as that. We are, we limited by uh, the insurance model. Yes, we are. And some of the stuff that we do is, is outside of the insurance model because it has to be right. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fine line. It's, it's a balanced line, but to your point, health coaching and, and empowering people, you know, out of the state of helplessness is, is actually it's, it's, it's paramount to their getting better. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's an interesting situation that we are put in, you know, that you, um, essentially can spend as your, uh, a time, your attention, your efforts, um, in one area, or you can kind of take the, what I consider the easy route, which is the maintenance through pain pills, Mm -hmm. kind of maintenance in the mainstream area, which could be argued that financially is not as, um, expensive 
expensive, <laughs> demanding. I was going to say financially yeah. demanding, but yeah. you know, in one way, you know, we can look at this and say, oh, well, okay, well, if the insurance is taking care of it, I'm just going to go this yeah. route. But as you mentioned earlier, what is our actual quality of life? Right. Where does our actual, you know, way that we're feeling each day that we wake up? And sometimes it is uh, kind of changing our own inner dialogue that maybe realizing that what is uh, maybe the more expensive route is mm. actually worth that because we're going to feel so much better in that. And it um, might be path. cheap. It might be cheaper in the long run, right? Yes. If you consider if you consider what you're what you're avoiding mm -hmm. by by doing those things, I think I think you had a very important point there, you know, which is which is the. Um, mindset right mm -hmm. the mind frame of insurance right mm -hmm. well doc if insurance pays for it you know i'll do it right if insurance doesn't pay for it i won't do it right and and it takes a long conversation right and it takes a lot of education on my part right when i talk to to patients on explaining to them and making them understand that the reason i propose certain things that are are not paid by insurance is because I really think that might that might be better for them right. than the the things that are actually paid for by insurance. Right. I don't think any of us really understand why insurance pays for certain things and doesn't pay for other things. And it's not my intention here to get into a a conversation about the the how these things get approval, insurance approval, right? Mm -hmm. How, how do they choose? How do they choose? How do they choose which of our medical procedures you know, are worth their... Right. I mean, you know, it should be based on science. It should be based on, on, on clear, you know, scientifically rigorous parameters, right? But is it always, right? I mean, we are, for better or worse, in a, in a, in a society where, you know, uh, there's influence, there's lobbying, there's, there's money everywhere. And mm -hmm. again... Most of the stuff insurance pays for, they do because there is a scientific, you know, reason for it. Now we can argue at this point that there may be enough science that maybe some of those regenerative treatments should be covered. I understand why they're not covered. You know, the insurance companies are not in the business of cover outcomes. yes <laughs> they're in the business they're in the they're in the profit it's it's a profit you know market and profit drives our society and profit is not necessarily a bad thing i'm not here to to deny that profit is a main driver of capitalism and we all we all you know for lack of a better term profit from it right mm -hmm. however to your point you know, when people come in and say, well, I will do whatever insurance pays for, I, I find it, you know, I find it as a personal challenge to explain why I'm proposing what I'm proposing, right? And, and build that report and the trust with every patient that I see, you know, and, and in order for them to, to understand that I'm looking out for their own benefit, right? right. Uh, part of that is keeping, you know, whatever we charge as, as as cash, we keep, you know, prices down, right? We're we're not we're not trying to to be the most expensive people in the world. Again, it's it's just it's a long process. It, it really is a long process. I think most people now people come to us now because they've 
they've heard what we do and they'd say, well, doc, I'm ready for my stem cells or I'm ready for this. I'm ready for that. I want to do, I'm going to do it all. Right. Mm -hmm. And those are easy, right? Because people come in, they're already, <laughs> they're already, they know what they're doing. They already, they're, they're already sold on our approach. So it's, it's easy. It's, it's the challenges the patient who comes in from just, you know, oh, I'm just, I was referred to you by my primary care doctor. I was referred to you by my spine surgeon or whatever. And, and, and educate it's, it's, it's incumbent upon me and upon, upon our team to educate people about what we do. I mean, that's just as simple as that. I mean, if you believe in it and you're enthusiastic about it and you show good outcomes, essentially, you know, that's what's going to drive, you know, more people to come to you. We don't advertise. We don't, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a referral based, mm -hmm. you know, practice and people refer other people when they have good results themselves. And I think that that keeps everybody honest too. Right. Right. It's not, you know, uh, our face out there, you know, on Super Bowl ads or anything <laughs> like that, you know, we wouldn't be able to afford that. <laughs> I just can imagine what a great Super Bowl ad Oh, that yeah, would be, exactly. <laughs> I might actually watch the Super Bowl. Op optimize your metabolism. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the program. Absolutely. And I think that we have so many different areas um, that we've just kind of touched on here today that we can start delving a little bit more detail in our future interviews. I'd be glad to. Definitely. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. And I look forward to having you back again soon. No problem. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you so much for joining us for today's program. Hope you'll subscribe and I will look forward to seeing you next time.